Welcome to the Mad Men Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Mad Men on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're talking about Season 6, Episode 4, entitled To Have and To Hold. little uh, marriage reference there. Go along nicely with all the infidelity in this show. Well, it's also an obvious reference to Megan's job. Uh, is that the name of her sitcom? Or her, uh, not His sitcom? sitcom? Soap opera? <laughs> It's a little bit of a sitcom. <laughs> Sitcoms have really changed since the '60s. They used to be, yeah. you know, I mean that they're they're uh, the sitcoms of the '60s are kind of like the sitcoms of uh, <laughs> Spanish speaking channels. What do they call that? Latino channels? Uh, I don't. Telemundo is the only. That's I'm trying thing. to make some kind of crazy ass Spanish soap opera joke, and it's just fallen flat. Yeah, totally flat. Fallen flat like a cake baked by Betty. <laughs> Okay. I just assume she's a terrible, terrible baker. No, why? Why? Because I hate her. Okay, fine. So anyone you hate has no baking skills. That's that's I'll, a fact. I'll remember that. All right. I don't think we have anything to talk about up front. Jim so. Jones, terrible cook. <laughs> We're going. That, well, that's a fact. <laughs> We're going right into the recap this week. Uh, we start off with the forbidden meeting. You've got uh, Pete and Don. Taking a meeting with ketchup in the peat pit. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's how oh, you land the oh. client. Take him to the peat pit? Take him to the peat pit. Ugh. This whole scene is just, ugh, yuck. There's nothing I liked about it. Uh, well, actually, yes, I forgot to do this. Let's start off with what you thought of the episode overall. Forget that we ever mentioned the peat pit so far. Uh, I think this Sunday was one of the finest Sundays of television that I can remember. Game of Thrones was fucking awesome. I came into this episode because, you know, it starts at 9, Mad Men starts at 10. It's lined up that I can live, you know, Facebook, all this shit. Um, and I came in to Mad Men with a raging Game of Throner. It was engorged. <laughs> it was rock okay. hard. Um, I was concerned. And within 10 minutes, I had got completely absorbed by the episode. Yeah, yeah. So that is a testament to Matt Weiner that Game of Thrones can come out with a ten, eleven out of ten episode, and then he can rope me in for a solid eight and a half to nine on the Mad Men Richter scale episode. Oh god, your rating system is blowing my mind, man. This was Why? What are probably you give this one episode? of it was one of my favorite Mad Men episodes of all time. Um, I, I'm giving it a nine point five. The problem I have is I can't really tell you why I enjoyed it so much. Wow. Yeah. Um, it kind of just started with Joan's attitude at the beginning and then just kind of snowballed with all the stuff with Harry uh, and the, the competition between the ad agencies. Just like it was almost the perfect storm of Mad Men stuff in the episode. That's crazy, man. Um, I really like. I mean, it. like I said, I, I hear you, but it's weird to say you be so enthusiastic about, it, but yet be able to articulate why. <laughs> I just had a ton of fun watching it. I was like, I was one of those guys who jumps up and like yells at the screen and claps and cheers. And I'm never that guy. I go to movie theaters. I sit there in silence. Yeah, movie theaters. But I've I've seen you be that guy with television before. 
Oh, okay. Well, maybe those were ten out of tens. Because <laughs> this was uh, this was really good. I really All enjoyed right. it. Uh, now let's go over to the Pete Pit, okay. where Pete and Don are meeting with ketchup. Uh, nothing about this scene is anything that you ever want to happen in real life. Uh, you don't want to meet Pete. You definitely don't want to meet Ketchup. This guy... Where do they find all these people who are so good at playing really despicable people? Disturbing, disgusting human beings. Did, um, did you catch at the end of this when he's talking with Don? He says, I don't need much of a reason to come back to Manhattan. Hmm. Like a much of an excuse or whatever. Oh, he, yeah. Before that, he licks his finger... And he slides his ring off. And he's like, I don't need much of an excuse to come to Manhattan. And then he winks at Don and he's out the door. Oh, oh that's just disgusting. Well, he's not the first client we've ever seen basically ask Don and Sterling Koo, Draper Price, to be their pimps, basically. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, Roger's more... I mean, Pete's obviously the grimiest pimp, but Roger's, Certainly. I think, the best at pimping. So uh, he's barking up the wrong trees there. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, this guy, I understand it's Heinz ketchup and the prestige that comes with ketchup. Um, but just <laughs> the way, how serious he fucking took himself. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was, he's it, no and, Jaguar. And then, like, I, uh, Raymond will fall in line. I have that power. And he's basically telling heat big lies um, to my man Don, and I didn't like it. So... Okay. On on the other hand, I liked how contemptuous Don was of Pete's offering of his apartment. <laughs> yeah, I live here. <laughs> well, yeah, and like even if I didn't, you think I couldn't afford someplace better than to, if I needed to rent a night? You think I could get something a little bit better than the Pete Pit? Yeah, my place Come has on. toilet paper. Come on. Yeah. <sighs> uh, yeah. Good point. Uh, after that, we go over to Don meeting a friend. I'm sorry, Dawn. Meeting a friend, <laughs> meeting a friend at a diner after work, and she's apparently trying to meet a man, but she can't find any of them anywhere. They're nowhere to be found. Her her it's... routine does not help her meet men. Certainly. Well, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker made a pretty good living complaining about how hard it is to find a man in the city. So there you go. Maybe this this is a spinoff potential. Yeah, she just needs a couple Cosmos. That's it. No sex in the city. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just kind of... No sex this, in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> this was kind of one of the plot lines that I was kind of unsure about. I really like how they took it at the end where she kind of gave a commentary about these people's lives. Mm-hmm. But it was it was hard for me to engage with someone that... I mean, the way I took it is she's feeling sorry for herself that she has to hold a job because she doesn't have a man that will marry and take care of her. Yeah. It's yeah. one of those things that's is just not very relatable for where I'm sure, at yeah. in the stream of time. I, I could totally buy that. You're in a very different situation. A little bit, <laughs> As, yeah. Yeah. I found the man to, make it, <laughs> to take care of me and yep. to make, make an honest A-Ron out of me. Me, uh, I got to keep working. Really <laughs> you got to keep hustling. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's that scene. Uh, then we go over to Joan's house, and her friend Kate is putting makeup on her mom. And Joan comes home, and they, I guess, she had been waiting for her to get home from work because she's in from out of town. Uh, and they kind of discuss the interview that she has next day at Avon, and uh, they do a little bit of catching up. Kind of a confession. Yeah. The whole time I first watched this episode, I was sure that Kate was Joan's sister. 
No, no, I, I don't do, think so. I, I realized that the second time it became clear to me, but okay, <laughs> I just thought the way they talked and how familiar they were with each other and the way her mom seemed to want to catch up that was screaming sibling. And again, oh. I was I was still suffering from a raging Game of Throner, so at least 50% yeah. of my body, my, my blood was, was in a different part of my body. Um, so maybe that accounts for why I thought that. And, I, and it was all from, I think, her mom... Um, kind of being really into Kate too, in a weird way. Like I, I'm starting. Yeah, yeah. Joan's mom's way better this year, and we'll probably talk about that a little bit more. But she still mm-hmm. comes off as like the type of girl, the type of woman who would go to her daughter's high school dressed like her daughter. Like like when Joan when Joan is going <laughs> to high is school. Is that something you just don't do? I have no idea. I didn't I'm you neither have a that, daughter nor a mother. Didn't you go to high school with the girl that had the mom that you could tell really wanted to be back in high school? No. And still wanted to be that girl and kind of live through her daughter a little bit too hard? No. You know, I'm sure they exist, that? but... Okay. I, I had one in my high school, I can think of, and she's just kind okay. of giving me that vibe. Huh. Yeah, no, I I didn't pick that up, but I, I mean, the stuff that uh, Joan was saying about her mom and, like, giving her respect or whatever at dinner, I mean, that should have tipped you off. It's not a daughter. Mm. Um, anyway, are you, we, are you judging me, Jim? I, I you, am a little bit. You turn those judgy eyes elsewhere. <laughs> All right, let's turn him over to Don in his elevator. How about that? All right. Because uh, he's standing in the elevator, the door's open, and bam, there's Sylvia. Mm-hmm. She hops in, even though she's not supposed to be going up. She's supposed Mm-mm. to be going down. Mm-hmm. She hops in anyway. They stop the elevator, do a little uh, tongue tango. Then Sylvia tells him there's going to be a penny under the mat when her husband's on call. So that's how he'll know when he's not home. Um, I thought as far as tells go, that was kind of loud. Why don't you just put like a penny? I guess if you put it just on the floor, someone would pick some asshole would pick it up. But like what's Don supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. Just like be walking by and like lift up the mat. And what happens if uh, old Doc Rosin's coming around to bend? Yeah. What are you doing? What you looking under my mat for? Yeah, right? Like Well he could just, just say I dropped the pennies, just like he did in the whorehouse back in his <laughs> his old days. Oh my god. <laughs> go. Yeah, there's I, a little bit about that at the end of this. I thought the penny was an obvious you know, it was like, you know, oh they're they're monetizing the uh the sexual transaction again. But holy yeah. shit, I didn't even pick up on that part. Good catch, Jim. Oh yeah. That's why they get paid the big bucks. Yeah. He always uh, he, he also fires off a world class Don Draper look at her as uh, she exits the elevator and the doors close. Oh, what kind of look? Like you know, in the mask where he tur- his face turned into a wolf and his eyes went out and going ooga ooga, and his tongue <laughs> rolled off uh, onto the table and onto the floor. Yep, that look. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, we go back over to Joan's house and they're having a pleasant dinner, and. In a rare glimpse of pride in her daughter, Joan's mom kind of says, hey, I'm proud that she's a partner at this place. Um, That's another thing. I feel like Joan's one of those parents that are really hard on their kids, but once they actually do something, uh, there's certain type of parents where they have unconditional love and respect and admiration for children because that's their a gift by birthright. <laughs> and there's other parents like my dad and Joan's mom where you have to fucking earn that shit. Yeah. You have to earn it. But once you do, you're like in the club, right? You, it it sure, takes you sure. that much effort to lose it again. So I kind of 
bonded with Joan and her mom was kind of a bitch, but you know, she's a partner at a firm and, you know, making calling shots and making shots and she totally respects that. Yeah. Calling shots and making shots. And getting shots and then getting shots over uh countermanded by Harry fucking Crane. (laughs) Oh God. In a brilliant scene, man. Oh god. I love that scene. Um Anyway, before we get to that scene, uh, Ken takes the complaints that he's been getting from his father about Dow um, and their image to Harry, who is uh, busy drinking coffee and he's got a Danish on the way. And we know what, but Jim? He maybe his idea. maybe his dad should drop stop dropping napalm on children. <laughs> that would be a start. Yeah, <laughs> I love I, I love Ken. He's kind of a rivaling Peggy for my favorite character on the show at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's not totally the good guy that we think he is, right? Isn't he's not he? like this no, I don't think so. He's no. not a I mean, saint, no. But exactly. He's better than most of the people he works with. <laughs> That's not difficult. Yes. <laughs> yes, True. he is. True. Uh but I thought it was really funny when he it, he's at the end and uh Harry tells him they just came in to complain. He's like, oh, God, I really did just come in to complain. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. he knows that Harry's not going to be able to help him, right? Or at least yeah. that's what he's thinking. Like, yeah, yeah well, I came in to complain because this guy's not going to help me. Right. Is he Mr. Wizard? He's going to solve my problem? Yeah. So I thought that was funny. Uh, and just, I don't know. Harry's a ridiculous character, but I enjoy watching him. His hair makes him more so. Yeah, Harry, Harry. Harry, Harry. Then we get a James Bond-esque scene with Stan, uh, who's walking into the the private room. Oh, the heist music that they played here was so great. Yeah, it was, it was totally James Bond. Uh, Ginsburg gets a look at it, and he's incredibly curious about what's going on. <laughs> uh, he's trying to figure out what Project K stands for with old Bob Benson. Killing machine. <laughs> Project Kill Machine. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. Uh, Don comes over and he's looking for Stan. Uh, can we talk about Bob Benson real quick? Because I've Let's. always thought he's shady. Yes. You've, th- I think you've thought he was shady too, right? Yes. Okay. But he seemed like he was on the ins last episode and now it yep. seems like he's back on the outs. So I was looking at Reddit and there was an interesting post about Bob Benson. It started off kind of like standard, like, oh, there's something up about Bob Benson. I don't like, he seems like he's too much of a goody goody whatever uh-huh and then one of the commenters mentioned something that's kind of interesting maybe this guy is an undercover agent like a, a, a law enforcement agent for real yes because so he could either be investigating don himself like his you know pretty much don's entire life has been illegal at this point he's assumed an identity of someone who died in a war i guess um and we know that he was worried about that, right? I mean, in season, what, four? When Pete found out and everything, he was pretty worried about that stuff. Uh, Yeah. I feel like with him marrying Megan, that's become less of a concern. Because everybody Why? in important – well, because uh, his workers clear, his coworkers clearly don't give a shit. He's already survived yeah. one background check. Um, his wife knows. Everybody important in his life kind of knows. So it's like I feel like he – I just don't feel like that's ever going to come up with something. I don't think that's ever good. Nothing's going to come of his dual identity as far as getting jail time or fired or anything like that. Okay. 
Fair enough. Um, the other option is Pete mentioned something about their hiring practices at the workplace. Mm-hmm. Maybe Bob Benson is investigating there. He's Maybe that's what he's there for. Making sure they're hiring minorities? Yeah. Hmm, interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's just a very shady character, and I hadn't thought of that. That maybe he's, he's some sort of law enforcement. I don't. I just don't. They, that's pretty out there. That's all okay. I'm gonna say about that. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to say. Wait, this wasn't one of her fans. This is some random redditor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well then I can say that's the fucking stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. If law enforcement <laughs> is really fucking wasting their time on that when they got communists they can chase, oh, then man. this, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not down with that at all. All right. Do you have the same philosophy with parking tickets? <laughs> what? They're, they're if I find out, out there, one man. of our fans didn't write me a parking ticket, I just rip into them mercilessly. Yes, that is my philosophy. What? No, I no. I, <laughs> law enforcement having better things to do. Oh well, of course I do. But increasingly, <laughs> okay. that's not law enforcement. It's just some fucking bureaucrat or or a for, or for profit corporation writing parking tickets nowadays. Uh, yeah, true. They've taken over our fair city, Jim. Uh, That's why I'm getting out. Kids. Going to Cincinnati, where they still write traffic tickets. Honest policemen writing honest <laughs> traffic tickets, which I think they have better things to do with their time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we go over to the Project K room, um, and Don goes in, stands there, and he's uh, he's just starting work, and he offers Don some weed. They smoke up, no problem, Did- says Don after his trip with megan we have to get a t-shirt of don toking up that image we yeah. and we have to in the have, silhouette just with weed coming out instead and it, of a it, cigarette it should, and it should say in big block letters change the conversation or like one of his catchphrases there you go that's a perfect shirt yeah that's i awesome think one. it's a, but you have to do like you know stylish and arty but yeah yeah you do the silhouette where he's laid out on the couch or whatever with his arm out Instead oh. of a cigarette, it's weed. Oh, no. See, I, I, I got to have that. Because like, he's got that really – like he's going to town. He's really sucking it down. He's got the oh, squinty yeah, the eye. No, when he was smoking it with Megan in uh, Hawaii, I was like, yeah, he's got a pretty good technique for a guy who's never smoked. Uh, I think he's I was... smoked more than he lets on. No, he probably has, yeah. All right, anyway, so shortly after, shortly after they smoke up, uh, they're trying to decide <laughs> – whether a hot dog is better with ketchup or with mustard, and then they order lunch because that's what <laughs> high people do. <laughs> yes. Another yeah. funny scene. Uh, Stan cracks me up. I, it, it clears the cobwebs, man. It does. It does. I like how Don just assumed that he was going to fall asleep in there after right. he's done smoking. That probably it was. So, so that's a rich thing for Don to say, right? What do you mean? He's after master, he takes a nap yeah, when he gets ma- back from his vacation? Yeah, he's master of the afternoon nap. Yeah, for sure. Are we sure uh, that Don's not smoking weed like the whole time, the whole series? We just haven't seen it. Those no, cl- we're not sure. Those aren't clove cigarettes. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> that he's smoking. Yeah, Pete just didn't know because he's never smoked. What does that smell? <laughs> it's cloves, Pete. Yeah, cloves. yeah. You're just not familiar with that. What we do in the city. <laughs> All right. Um, so then we go over to the break room, and Scarlett tells Don that she's going to go off and get a birthday gift for Clara. Uh, and then she asks her to punch her her time card out when she leaves. Mm-hmm. Bad idea. And there's like a... I don't know. The exchange here was a little weird to me, I guess. I don't know. Um, maybe 
I thought that Scarlet was trying to pull one over or something, which I oh, guess she kind of was. I, 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 yeah. I totally buy whatever Dawn's, Dawn's uh, friend's take on it, that she was trying to take advantage of her. Yeah, you think so? I do, yes. I, I mean, do. she she told her what it was for and everything, right? I mean, I don't think she did anything she didn't tell Dawn about. Yeah, but it's. I think she went to Dawn knowing that she would be in a position where she wouldn't be able to get off to go yeah. to the whatever party it was, but... Would want to and fit she wouldn't in say no. Most and wouldn't wanted would want desperately to fit in and feel like she's part of the you know because uh, Dawn is very much paints herself in this this uh, episode as an outsider, right? Yeah, oh yeah, you know? certainly. And kind she's of she's the only one not making a New Year's. <laughs> yeah, and uh, not drinking herself silly and crying in the bathroom. Exactly. So Yeah, no, I, I I feel like she definitely was taken advantage of a little bit there. All right, maybe that's what I felt was weird about it then. Uh. We go to Megan in her dressing room, who uh, <clears throat> she's informed by some of her co- co-actors, co-workers, that she's going to have her first love scene on the soap opera with uh, Rod, I guess this guy's name is. I-, I don't think we've met him before, have we? I don't believe so, no. Okay. Uh, and it's going to be an ongoing thing. It's not just this one uh, one-off. And she's super excited because it's a big break for her. You know, oh, she sure. hasn't had much screen time. She's she just got promoted to four days a week of, uh, a few weeks ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't really discussed the time frame. I do have a an email that discusses it, um, but we can get into that later if you want. Can I just pat myself on the back and say that I called it right around here that I said on Facebook is is it just me or is this heading towards like an open type relationship thing? <laughs> I just well, got I just got that vibe and yeah. I was to I was like thinking, Oh, this is gonna be the interesting twist on Don's man whoring ways. And then they totally fucking <laughs> ducked it. I I uh, Yeah. I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I just wanted to uh break my arm, pat myself on the back a bit. All right. Well congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um we uh, so Meredith comes into Joan's office. She's like the secretary out in front, uh, the greeter, I guess. And she's looking for Scarlet or Harry, either one. She asks Joan if she's seen him. And uh, Harry walks by the door, and she gets all embarrassed because, well, she probably should have known where he was. <laughs> um, and then Joan just gives her the meanest look. Joan doesn't like this girl at all. Well, I don't – man, she doesn't seem like she likes anybody. But also I think she was embarrassed. Right? I think she was embarrassed because I, – I, I, I don't know. Do you think she was intentionally tattling on Scarlet? Because she seemed like she was up to something. And I couldn't tell if she hmm. was intentionally tattling knowing that she's getting her in trouble or, or what. Or she was just dim-witted. Um, That's a good question because she would definitely see her leave. Yeah. Like was this something that she was trying to do to impress Joan because she did seem like she wanted to – you know, get into her good side and, and use that as a springboard to like bond with her. And Joan was just having none of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you might be right about that. I didn't even think of it. Uh, for sure. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, when Don gets home, Megan breaks the news about the love scene in, uh, what she thought was a very clever trap, which didn't work out for her. Loved it. <laughs> uh, and Don says that he can tolerate the idea, but he can't encourage it. Which, uh, yeah, again, I, 
uh, this is going to be an evolving conversation, but I don't get Don. Okay, like, well, at least I I like the way that he navigated these waters, this trap. It's like what Megan scriptwriter, the the wife of the scriptwriter, I guess, said that you know, would you be happy if he didn't care or if he didn't mind? Mm-hmm. So I thought at this point in the episode that Don did a good job of threading that needle between you know being reluctantly supportive and understanding and you know happy yeah. for her but also not being like do whatever the fuck you want so i was kind of digging it but then you know the wheels come off and everything goes to shit later and well, <laughs> you know, obviously we'll talk about that but yeah th- so you were like me then you were totally surprised when don just get all got all bitch face about it right hell yeah okay okay that's good some weak, that's some weak shit all right good speaking uh, of weak shit y- yeah let's talk so, about harry's pitch <laughs> worst idea ever okay so i guess for people who didn't watch the episode and listen to our podcast anyway <laughs> uh, harry pitched this terrible idea to joe back or to ed baxter uh to have broadway joe namath uh in an actual broadway production famous famously famous mediocre quarterback who happened to win the super bowl over the colts <laughs> I and will not, I will have no, no contri- contribution to this discussion. I think that's factual. And then, I have no uh, idea. <laughs> but yeah, like you know, like when your selling point is Joe Namath in a straw hat, <laughs> that was the topper. That was perfect. Yeah, um, him doing a mashup of Yankee Doodle Dandy and Notre Dame fight song. <laughs> this does not seem like I understand you want Dow Jones to, uh, or Dow Chemical to put a smile on people's faces. You don't want to give them nightmares. Yeah, Ugh. it was just a terrible idea, top to bottom. And then, oh hell yeah, I, you're right. That just imagine Joe Namath in a straw hat, and I did. Uh, I imagined it. Thank you for putting that image in my head, Harry, because it's fucking hilarious. And but I, 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 it, I thought it was kind of interesting how, you know, this is kind of the evolution of terrible television. The people's like, well, that's yeah, a terrible yeah. idea, and people are like, well, don't you want to see it? Yeah. Like, that's not a good enough justification to spend money on something. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, worst idea ever. Um, and I'm glad I'm not alone in thinking that. Because I, yeah, like, for a minute, I thought I was. Like, if I was a rich dude, I might pay someone $50,000 to roll in the mud to entertain myself. That doesn't mean it's a good idea. <laughs> sure. You don't want to show that on television. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, well, let's move on. Uh, to Joan asking Scarlett about her absence. Oh, by the uh, way, I just want to point out that, that this is the one time sink. You know, there's always a scene in Mad Men that allows you to put a pin in the time. Uh, they referenced the uh, uh, the Colombian students uh, taking over of uh, Dow's recruiting office, uh-huh. and that happened in early April of 68. Okay. Uh, I think there might actually be another one. Um, if I remember the email correctly, but we have some comments on that later in feedback. Gotcha. Uh, so we will get there. All right. Um, in the meantime, Joan is asking Scarlett about her absence. And when she, she kind of lies to her. I mean, yeah, she lies to her. Uh, and then when she does, Joan goes to see Dawn about it. And Scarlett comes running down the stairs, trying to cover things up again and saying, no, I didn't say anything. Uh, and Joan just fires her right on the spot. Scarlett, you're fired. So this, so this seems like an overreaction by, like, you know, this could be a write-up, yeah. and if you ever do this again, you're fired. But it didn't seem like the punishment fit the crime. And 
So I don't I think like she really. I don't think she. Well, she's tried to start a lot telling. Yeah, I guess she did lie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, she she tried to cover it up, and then she got caught in the lie when she knew that okay, she's going to speak with Don. Uh, but so I need to run down here and stop it. And then she still tried to tell a minimized version of the lie. To like, well, Don didn't click clock me out. I was yeah, I was gone for a little bit to do this errand, but then I came back, and that's where I think she got she she fucked herself in the in the cut. It's just like uh, yeah, um, Nixon. The cover up is always worse than the crime. <laughs> sure, definitely. Um, uh, yeah. So she runs off crying, and uh, it starts to. I want to amend that. I, I forgot that Joan, that, that uh, she fired her in context of her trying to, behind her back. That As a manager, yeah. it's hard to let that stand. Like also, an open defiance of your authority. Yeah, definitely there's that. Um, I also think that was kind of a point of Joan's character in this episode. I mean, she's she says as much to Kate later when they're laying in the bed that they still treat her like a secretary, even though she's a partner. You know, she doesn't yeah, have the authority that she's looking for there. And so she's Abs- finding it in other ways, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, it definitely harkens back to her old uh, persona, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. she's still she's still that person. I mean, if if this season has been about anything, it's been about the cycles um, right. that we see characters going through. And I don't know that Joan is totally out of that kind of queen bee power mad cycle that she's been no. in. Why would she be? I mean, it's gotten this far. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and her mom seems to be proud of her, so there you go. There you go. Uh, next scene. On his way back into the office, Harry runs into Scarlet, who tells him what happened. Uh, and he takes her to see Joan, <laughs> demands an apology in uh, a pretty awesome confrontation. Uh, not as awesome as the next confrontation, um, <laughs> but still a good one. I. Why does Harry treat Joan with so much disrespect? Is it because of... The way she got her partnership, is that the only reason or what? Man, I go back and forth because I really like Joan. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if you're Harry, and God help us, uh, you know, putting on the Harry cap. (laughs) um, But from what what he sees, he has legitimately done things, you know, and and I think I mentioned this in a cast ago. Like, he's leading the television arm. This is a big deal in this era. You know, it's, it's, he's really coming into his own. He's got a good spot. And the only reason he's probably not a partner now is because he wasn't quick enough on his feet when the firm was being formed. Uh, and for him to see that and, like, you know, the kind of disrespect he got last year, having to give up his office. And now if all you know about pay, uh, about Joan is that she slept with the dude from Jaguar, which obviously has gotten around the office, and yep. now she's a partner, that would be kind of infuriating. It doesn't totally. make Harry less of a twat. <laughs> uh, and also, we know that Joan has made very real contributions. In fact, it's arguable that Joan did Harry's job better than he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in his little character bubble, he doesn't know that. So I hate Harry. I think he's a tool. But he does have a little bit of tiny moral high ground here. Yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Uh, well, he stretches the moral high ground in the next scene where he busts in on the partners meeting uh, despite Ken's warning not to. <laughs> yes. Uh, where they're meeting about something else entirely. Harry busts in. And he demands that like he be shown some respect, and he basically demands to be a partner right there in the room. Yeah, yeah. And and throwing this into the partner's face, because the other thing yeah. is they're all complicit in this. 
Uh-huh. And I doubt that they really like having their faces rubbed in it. Oh, certainly not. Um, so Harry takes off after uh, an, an epic blow-up. Um, the partners decide that neither of the secretaries should be fired. Um, and Joan is really upset about that. I mean, that's just another undermining of her authority. She's she's laid down the law. She said something is going to happen, and now it's being overturned by the men. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't she be? I mean, this Definitely. is a this is a blatant betrayal of her. And Certainly, I you know, as a partner, I'm so, I don't know. I guess you only have as much power as your fellow partners give you. Yeah, if it's a board like that, sure. And it does seem like even even it's kind of like there's a pecking order even amongst like it's not like Pete has absolute power either. The only ones that have mm. kind of like carte blanche to do whatever the fuck they want seem to be Roger and Don. Yeah, but it's weird because Pete has been getting his way almost every time lately, right? You think I mean, so? they wouldn't have taken this Heinz uh, ketchup meeting without him. Mm, Don wanted it pretty bad, though. I think this is... Did he? Uh, and, well, here's the thing. I feel like this is his life in a microcosm. He wants to be the loyal person. He wants gotcha. to do the right thing, but he succumbs to temptation. Yeah. Yeah, as as Pete says later, it was worth the risk. Uh, yep. That's probably how Don feels about it. Yeah, and uh, and not only that, but about his love affairs. You know, the oh, yeah, risk definitely. is kind of is kind of what makes it a little spicier. <laughs> and uh-huh. honestly, this Heinz campaign is some of his best work we've ever we've seen him do in seasons, right? Uh, other the than the Jag- he- other than Jaguar, which wasn't even his idea. Uh huh. I mean, this I is thought the so first- too. I mean, we'll yeah. we'll talk about it when we uh. When we actually get to that scene, because I was going to ask you which one you like better, so be thinking about okay. that. All right. <laughs> uh, sounds like you've already thought about it, though. Anyway, I have. Uh, let's move along. Don is late for. I'm, I'm sorry. Dawn is late for her dinner meeting <laughs> with her friend again. Uh, she tells her what happened at work with uh, almost getting fired and how scared everyone at SCDP is. Uh, g- good line. I like the uh, man. The the writing in this is so good. How the Sounds like New Year's in there every time they take the trash out so many bottles. Yeah. Uh, good stuff, man. Very good. Uh, Joan and Kate are at the soda fountain with the, the phones. Do you, is there a name for these kind of places? I'm sure there is. I just don't know what they are called. Yeah, I don't. I'm in the process of moving. So my extra time to do a lot of the deep dives that I would like to do, I might, I had that as in my notes to look up, look that up. But uh-huh. uh, so apparently this is a thing though that you'd go and there's yeah. phones on the table, and the people can call you, and it's kind of like playing telephone or or speed speed dating, uh, in the '60s, right? Yeah, it gives you a little bit of. Maybe a little bit of anonymity. You know, you're calling from a table. You got to kind of look around and see who you think it you're helps, talking to. It helps to. break the ice. It's a lower risk, lower confrontation. Yeah, you don't like no it, you hang up. Way Done. to hook up, right. Sure. Uh, but Kate's the one who really wants to be here. She's looking to pick up a guy, apparently. Yeah. Um, she's The waiter comes over, and he's kind of flirting with her, and she flirts back, and they uh, get a phone call. Joan arranges a phone call. Joan is practiced at this i mean the way she's like telling her what to say and then yeah just just hang up now just hang up (laughs) yeah so what's the problem here what the fuck why wouldn't why wouldn't these people be getting phone calls are they a little too old for the room is that what they're implying yeah yeah okay they definitely don't fit in i mean you got a bunch of giggly high school kids there and then uh (laughs) 30 30 or 40 something 
uh, power businesswoman <laughs> in the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little out of place. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, the dinner with Megan's coworker uh, turns into a swingers pitch. This was. Guys, <laughs> really I called this. I called yeah, it. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and I I didn't get where this was going at first. I was like, oh, okay, here's just you know a dinner. They're gonna they're gonna chat about Megan's love scene, and they're gonna try to convince Don that it's a good idea. No, no, that turned out totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's some good juicy stuff in here um, as it relates to Don, though. I mean, the stuff that uh, the, the script writer writer's wife. I don't know her name either. I don't either. Um, how. She's talking about Don. He says, looks like he's a man who plays many roles. I mean, that's oh, yeah. obli- obviously a reference to both his infidelity and to his dual life that he's leading as far as who he is. Yep. That's red meat for us fans. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the other dude wants to cast him. I'm sure those are uh, home videos he's going to be making. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing televised there. <laughs> no Joe Namath and Straw Hats here. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> um, we move on to a couple of cab rides, which I thought was kind of cool. These back-to-back cab rides. Uh, one of them starts out on the way to the electric circus where uh, the server that they're they're going out with suggests that they see who kisses better. And Joan kisses the guy, and apparently Kate kisses a lot better. Well, man, Joan just wasn't really into it. Of and course, I'm, yeah. I, I wasn't sure. I'm very confused by what's going on with her. Because okay. she doesn't look like she's at all into anything that's going down. But she's passively accepting everything, too. Well, I, so part of it, I think, is she wants her friend to have a good time, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so she can't really just put the kibosh on the whole thing, right? I guess. But that does that mean you have to make out with some fucking idiot? <laughs> at some no. random psychedelic makeup bar? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, she obviously gets into it later, but does she? Uh, yeah, she, yeah. She think... goes home with the guy for sure. Uh, wait, yeah, she you, slept with how that do dude. we know Her dress she... is ripped? Well, there, uh, I noticed that. Um, okay, is ripped in the exact same spot and way that Betty's dress is ripped. Wait, what? Oh, with the coat? Yeah, a couple is episodes it... ago. I mean, that can't be accidental, right? Probably not. Uh, what do you think it means? I, I don't know the connection there. Well, it's like they were both in places they shouldn't have been or they oh, didn't belong. Sure. They were fish out of water. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I don't know if there's I, – again, I wish I knew more about Inferno. Maybe there's some level of hell where you just get your clothes ripped. <laughs> <laughs> you get cosmic. That's the weakest level of hell. Yeah, I've the virtuous of. pagans get their clothes subtly <laughs> cosmetically ruined. <laughs> no, I think we're going to discover next episode that Joan has tetanus. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There's a Her and Betty both suffer through a lockjaw storyline. <laughs> That's rough because you don't survive tetanus, do you? You I let don't. it go long enough, like, to, you, don't, you don't survive it, man. I don't know. I, can, I just remember like a particularly uh, blood curdling little house on the prairie about <laughs> Laura Ingalls' mom suffering through a case of tetanus alone, uh, and I was like seven watching this shit, and like <laughs> she ends up cauterizing a wound with a burn, and I'm like, this is family entertainment. What the hell's going on? Wow. Uh, Game of Thrones had nothing on that. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's go over to the other cab where Megan and Don are laughing off the dinner that they just came from. Uh, and I, see, I thought this this was like they are going to be like, ha ha, that's a terrible idea. Have you ever thought of it? Would you do it? I might do it. I'll do it. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and turn it this didn't. cab around. It didn't. Huh? No, it did not. Uh, do you think I, Megan would be? Because I, I kind of, I kind of think that Megan would be down for this. Yeah, so she kind of reacted weirdly. Um, I, I couldn't tell if it was just she didn't understand what they were getting at, or if it was because they're coworkers, or it was because Don wasn't reacting favorably to it. Uh, but when she was at the table, she seemed to be kind of down for it for the first like three times they hinted at it. Well, I think the first time where she's like, "Let's go home and smoke weed and see what happens," she's like, "Cool." No, I like um, weed. Let's go. But then, yeah, I kind of thought that she was looking to Don, kind of like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, like trying to take her play off of him. And I absolutely think if Don had been like, yeah, let's roll, she would have been down for that. Okay. Uh, well, in the cab, it felt like uh, almost, God, I hate to say it with Don, but like a connecting moment for them, right? Kind like of. They're both yeah. laughing about this crazy thing that just happened. It seems uh, super cute. It did, yeah, which even confused me further when we get to a couple of scenes And, and you know, it's like I thought, like, I was waiting this for this. The other thing I was thinking is, like, well, it's going to go in two ways. They're either going to want to do uh, – he, he's going to want to do swinging with her or this is going to set his, um, you know, what do you call that, jealousy in the high gear because, oh, no, he, not only is she doing this makeout scene, but she's doing it with known sex perverts. <laughs> yeah. And neither of those things happened. No. No, they just kind of dropped it uh, at that point. Mm. Which I don't know that it's totally dropped. Certainly mm-hmm. not, right? I mean, she's working with those people now. Well, and you know, who knows how the, this was kind of left in the episode. I mean, that's – we've mm-hmm. – okay, so we've, we've, we've gone down this road before where her and Don had this hideous fight and we're thinking, oh, God, they're splits. And then yep. th- it opens up next week with them just being happy-go-lucky like it never happened. Yeah, I feel like that comes a lot from Don's side because he's he's uh, almost kind of detached. It's that weird thing where, like, when I'm with Megan, I'm with Megan. When I'm with yeah, Sylvia, yeah, I'm with Sylvia. Yeah, but I I don't know why Megan puts up with that because she doesn't seem to be that way at all. Well, remember when this came all to a head at Hojo's? I think that's one of the things she yeah. said. She goes, we can't keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And yet here they are. They're continuing to do this. So <laughs> when is she going to call enough is enough on this shit? I don't know. Maybe when she finds out what he's doing with Sylvia. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that ever happens. Um, so we go back to uh, – we actually go to the electric circus where Kate's just they're, – they're both sitting on a couch. Kate's making out with the server. Uh, one of the server's friends come over. Uh, his name's Johnny. He he comes on to Joan, and she just goes with it. You know, he's apparently a pretty smooth guy. Apparently, that's all it takes to to get with Joan is just say I want you. That's it. I just don't. I still I don't feel like she was into this, and I'm not sure why. I still don't know why she went along with it. <laughs> Does she At look first, like somebody? She certainly wasn't. So you think his uh, I want you that she kind of wanted to feel wanted at that moment? Uh, yeah, I think. Maybe so. Um, I, I, honestly, I'm not sure. I don't know what's going through Joan's head at that point. 
because it did seem very sudden. I mean, all did he said any, is, "I want your Did we your get any band. female feedback on this? Because I, I genuinely am, am confused about what I'm supposed to yeah. take away from from that part. No, I, I don't think we did, but I may okay. just have missed it. So we'll see. If not, could uh, some females write us in and tell us what the hell Joan we, is doing? We should bother uh, Susan or Amy. Uh, ah. Get them on the phone and be like, "Did you watch Mad Men? We need your we need your take on this." Or Jerry, let's call them up right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I'll dial. I'll, I'll get them on Skype. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Actually, we can't. Skype is totally freaking broken tonight. That is true. Anyway, um, so there was a song, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. I don't remember who it's by, but Johnny tried to make Johnny and Joan. Is it, is it bad? That was it's terrible. A, it's a bad pun. Like, how did this yeah. guy? How did this guy? gain access get get keys to the kingdom i don't get it uh he's certainly no don <laughs> but you think she took him home i, do, I, I yeah. don't i don't know that there's any evidence of that the rip dress what's how does she rip her dress just sitting there well she wasn't just sitting there i mean first of all that dress <laughs> is ba- her dress is barely contained joan just at a steady state so if yeah. she does anything beyond the walking down the office she's at she's at a wardrobe malfunction threat level five, you know? <laughs> so the, it doesn't surprise me that there's a rip seam somewhere on Joan's, Joan's dress. All right. All right. She needs stronger thread, I guess. <laughs> Kevlar. They haven't invented it yet. Dow, <laughs> Dow needs to quit fucking napalming kids <laughs> and get to inventing a super suit for Joan. We'd go. all win. There you go. <laughs> all right. Uh, moving on, Roger and Bert call a meeting with Harry. Uh, they give him this big old commission check. I mean, he makes twenty two thousand a year. They handed him twenty three. Which on the bonus. inflation calculator, that's somewhere in the neighborhood of like one twenty thousand dollars in today's Not dollars. Bad. No, no. Not bad for one client. Uh, so they hand him a commission check for the Broadway Joe sale and tell him that the partnership isn't gonna happen right now. And he is pissed. Not happy at all. Uh, do you think that he would be a hot commodity on the job market? Uh, I'm going to say because of his position, yes. Because of his he skills, does, no. <laughs> he does seem like he has access. Like he just picked up the phone and got some TV executive on the line. Yeah, and yeah. made it, and made that Dow meeting happen. So it's like he's not nothing. But how much mm-hmm. of that's position? How much of that is him? That's the thing. I think anybody else in his position would be doing way better than he is. <laughs> Right. Uh, including I Joe, suspect, who he seems I, to... Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That would be a massive upgrade. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I really like the line at the end of this where he, he questions Bert uh, and says, Why are you doing this? I was I was just like you. And he's like, I was different than you, Mr. Crane, in every way. So uh, what are we... <laughs> to, so funny. What were we to make of that? Was Bert at one time some media intern that worked his way up to the top yeah at sterling's father's company is that what we're led to believe yeah i think so um okay i mean he obviously didn't have the tv position right obviously <laughs> but, but he was head of some sort of advertising branch right and, uh yeah worked his way up but he was very different from harry mm. crane mm-hmm. uh at least strongly implied by bert uh megan's leaving for work which uh, is basically exactly what Don has been waiting for. He's sitting there in his pajamas waiting to go uh, probably do a handstand on Sylvia. 
she's yeah. she's off to film the love scene that he doesn't want her to film. Uh-huh. Uh, this scene, I mean, this is why, like, I find Don, at this point, such a despicable character. Um, and yet, I love to watch these scenes because Don... Don doesn't want his wife to go off and pretend to be having some sort of affair. But that's exactly what he's going to go do when she leaves. Exactly. The, oh, yeah. And just the, the way he plays it is is perfect mm-hmm. for for what we want to see out of the scene, right? It's a disgusting. Right. But at the same time, it's awesome to watch. Well, okay, so this is something we debate on Breaking Bad a lot. Yeah. And everybody's moment is different. When is the audience going to turn on Don? Because oh, there's actually have. a they lot have. of gr- – I was listening to Sepinwell's podcast. There's a lot of grumbling amongst professional critics like, we don't like this. We don't like where this is going. We think this is treading over the same ground we've seen. It's not interesting. It's not new. It's not different. I agree with that, but I'm still finding the material itself interesting and some of the satellite characters. Do you think the wiener's got a curveball to throw us, or is he just – because a lot of this was same criticism was um, leveled at late season Sopranos, where and he we know he's involved with him, where people kind of want to see Tony Tony grow and change, and he never really did. He never really learned from anything. Um, no, I don't. I don't know about Sopranos because I haven't seen. I haven't seen the whole season episode, one this on season that. two, but I mean that's its rep. Okay, um, I think that. I think that there is a very strong point about people that Wiener is trying to make. <laughs> and I feel like I'm undermining this very point by calling him Wiener. I should probably call him by his real name. <laughs> Matthew Weiner, yes. So we're, yes. We, can, we can bring out the Matthew serious Weiner. term. All right. There's a very strong point about humanity that he's trying to make, and he's making it by having Don repeat his, his cycles, showing that – there are patterns that people get stuck in. People don't know why they get stuck in them. They don't know, like, even when they recognize them, that they're stuck in them, they can't get out of them. And I yeah. think that's what this show, in general, has been about. But I think also that they need to, um, there, there's a little bit more, I think, to it that, yes, if this is all there is, it's going to be disappointed, dis- disappointing. But what I've learned, you know, in a couple of years I've been doing this is is kind of hold up on the criticism for these epi- <laughs> for these uh, serial type television yeah. in the in early goings of a season because this is all just groundwork. I mean, nobody saw like Lane Price last coming last year. Um, yeah. You know, no one saw kind of Pete becoming the interesting tragic character that he's become. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yes, it's the same, but it's also different. And yeah. you're right. He's trying to tell something about people, and he's also trying to make a statement about, I guess, you know, American life. Sure. And we just haven't got a lot further enough along in this season to find out what that is yet. I hope so. I hope so. And yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm ready to give him uh, quite a bit of slack, uh, especially when he's cranking out. If he's if, if if he's on a treadmill, this is a very entertaining treadmill. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This is um, not being stuck on the farm in The Walking Dead looking for Sylvia. <laughs> it was Sophia, but Dodd is looking for Sylvia. Ah, yes, yes. <laughs> well, she's such a memorable character. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we've talked that scene up. 
Joan's mom wakes her uh, and Kate up. Uh, it was obviously a long night. Kate's envious of the life that Joan has made for herself, but Joan doesn't really see it that way. Uh, Joan's a little envious about uh, what Kate's life has become, you know? Hmm, she's got, really? She's got stability. She had someone to lean on. Yeah, but Joan I don't, never had that. I thought there was a little sparkle in her eyes saying, you know, when she said, and I never will. I, I don't think she's envious of Kate. Um, oh, you took that to mean she's glad she never will? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That she's okay. she's kind of, you know, she, even the position is not exactly what she wanted, but yeah, yeah. it's still her financial security is such. Because think about, she's getting 5% of everything that that company is taking in, right? Or what? Oh, yeah. yeah she's I, living I very modestly, but she's banking big time. She has to be. Because if Harry yeah. is getting, you know, bringing $120,000 of profit, mm-hmm. well, let's say that's just half of that. Well, Joan takes 5% of that. Yeah. And the the Heinz deal and the Jaguar deal, all that stuff is is money that she's getting. She's she's got her uh, her her fingers in. So I I feel like she's trying to make Kate feel better, and also Kate is making her feel better. I mean, she's this is like exactly yeah. what Joe needs to hear. That yeah, from your perspective, you are a glorified secretary, and that's kind of reality. I mean, if you look at Joan's fucking office she's got a shitty office that's filled with filing cabinets and paperwork and all that stuff. I mean, uh-huh. none, of the, no, none of the other partners' uh, offices look like that. Um, but from everybody else's perspective, she is really doing it. She's arrived. And like Kate said, you've got, you know, you've got things there uh, for the taking. You know, it, it's right there for you to take yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, she has even reached a higher rung than Peggy has reached. I mean, even though Peggy is is doing kind of more of the work that she wants to do, that's arguable. I mean, pe- so Peggy's the opposite. Well, I, She's got. I don't the think res- it is right. These are roughly equal sized companies, and she is a partner at the company. That, oh, that that's right. She is of- a partner. Okay, but she's got. She's better than Peggy in the fact that she's got the respect of her peers and the fear of her underlings, where Joan doesn't have either of those. Yes. Things. Oh, so that's that- exactly what I was saying. Um, yeah, Joan has uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, appeared to reach a higher level, right? Mm. I mean, she has the title, but as she's saying in the episode, it's just a title. They still treat her like crap. Right. Whereas Peggy, not not so much. Mm. I mean, she's she's actually the one who is feared. Um, she also a, has a, Even though en- she may not want to be sometimes. She also has an enormous baby. Joan does? Yeah. That looked like a six-year-old wearing a diaper. That was a big, <laughs> big fucking baby. It did. Uh, <laughs> how old is this kid supposed to be? I don't know. I don't know. I know Joan's got the wide childbearing hips, but that is I, – I, I mean, I don't know where we're at in the timeline. He's like I think a year and a half, two years old? I was thinking a year and a half. That's a big That's a big 18-month-old, man. a huge baby. Yeah. Jeez. I don't know where they found those onesies to fit it, because good lord. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, Don pitches ketchup, but they're not into the idea because it doesn't feature the bottle. They want the you know what else it features? It. The idea of some person putting ketchup on steak. Right. Who so when the was hell? A1 invented? <laughs> no, I don't give it. I mean. Ah, uh, are, are they grown? Are they, I don't care. I don't care about women and children. 
I'm going to just cut that clip right out. And I'm going to play it over and over at the end of the episode. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's like you, it's like women can wear sweatpants out of the, out of the house. I, I don't, I don't care. But okay. men, you can't be fucking putting ketchup on steak. You yeah. just can't. You can't be nah. getting your well done steaks and drowning in ketchup and not have the respect of Aaron Hubbard. No, sir. Agreed. I, I think that's why Don. Either. That's the, that's the reason Don really lost the ad campaign. <laughs> it wasn't the bottle. It's like you see a picture of steak and you want to put ketchup on it. Sorry, man. No sale. Yeah, no they're sale. arguing about hot dog or hamburger. No, no, no. Get the <laughs> steak out of there. Uh, no wonder he lost to Ed. For sure. Anyway, when they leave the hotel room, uh, lo and behold, Peggy and company are ready to pitch their ad right outside the door. Pretty tense. Pretty tense scene. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, so tense that Don had to stay behind and listen to Peggy's pitch through the door. And she, he found out that she's using some of the very same lines that he used to use. Yeah. Change changed, that conversation. Change the conversation. Which, that's kind of ballsy. If you know you're following Don to use one. Of the, what if Don had changed the conversation just before? Yeah. How would that have played? <laughs> change the conversation, huh? Where have I heard that before? <laughs> right, right. Wait, wait, wait. Well, did, you know, are you guys affiliated somehow? <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, so, which pitch did you like better? Oh, you beat me to it. Yeah. I thought Don's was the better pure pitch, but mm-hmm. Peggy's was better suited for what the client was walking in the room wanting. The client wanted the big red bottle. Yeah. And Peggy gave him the fucking big red bottle. Yeah. Whereas Don, Don was high concept, and it worked. I thought it was extremely effective. Um, making you like, oh, shit, I want ketchup right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think his was better, you know, not by much. But, like, so let's say his campaign is a nine and Peggy's was a seven and a half, eight. But mm-hmm. Peggy played to the client's uh, preconceived notion of what the campaign should be. And usually clients go for that kind of shit. What did you think? Okay. Uh, I'm mostly with you on that. I think – it kind of depends also on what the conversation was before. Is Peggy right? Is that the conversation? Like ketchup and catsup have all the same ingredients. Like it's the same thing. Is that the conversation that's really going on out there? And if right. it is, this is a good campaign, right? They want to change that. They want to say – they want to imply that ketchup is better, and there is only one ketchup. It's high. So use I that. Do, I do believe that because there's nothing that pisses me off better worse than going to a restaurant and they've got some kind of lame fucking knockoff. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I mean, so, I'll accept red gold in a pinch because it's a local company, but <laughs> everything else can go fuck itself. We need yeah. Heinz ketchup. Uh, is that one of those secret formulas, kind of like Coke? I bet they don't let that out, do they? I, actually, this is one thing I did do a little bit of research on. So, like, oh, you know, cool. there's a whole Heinz 57 varieties that mm-hmm. by, the, by the time old man Heinz came up with that campaign, he did that in-house. They'd already had like sixty some varieties of products, but he just he picked fifty seven because like five was his lucky number, and his wife's was seven, and he thought there was a good symmetry to it. It was okay. more interesting than the exact number. It's like this mm-hmm. metaphysical number, and it also he thought balanced out the logo, and okay. that was like a bazillion years ago, and it's still the exact exact same thing. <laughs> Sounds like old man Height should have gone into advertising. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I feel I'm like say, you got me saying Heinz. It's not Heinz. It's Heinz. There's no T in there. 
mispronouncing keep... things is my thing. Okay, I know, and that, but you got me <laughs> saying it. That's why. That's the only reason I. I'm, a, that I'm I'm very persuasive of my mispronunciations. Um, I do feel like companies make that mistake though on the real. Like some of these new logos that they, you know, you're you're, you're trading a classic like Heinz and Coke, you know, Coca Cola. That's a classic logo. You don't fuck with it. Yeah. So you're saying you don't you don't like modern logos? Just stick with the one you got. It just depends. Like Federal Express going to FedEx, fine. You weren't that. You didn't. You know, you were born out of the shitty '70s anyway, and your logo kind of sucked. <laughs> but if you've had a if you had a logo that's on your product for a hundred years, don't fucking change the logo. All right, it's timeless. So if we keep the bald move logo for another hundred years, we can never change it. <laughs> that will not happen. <laughs> I promise you, yeah, it is I not timeless. It. All right. It's not long for the world. <laughs> for sure. All right, let's move on. Yes. Um, Dawn, uh, Dawn tries Dawn. to make things right with Joan by offering to pay for the time that Scarlet was out. Uh, instead, Joan gives her the keys to the supply closet and the time cards and puts her in charge of monitoring both of them. And she and she mistakes that for a promotion. Yeah, she does. Uh, why isn't this a promotion? Why really? Why is this a good thing? Yeah. She's being the hall monitor for the paper supplies. I think, okay. It's another responsibility. It's not like she took her job away and said, okay, now this is all you're doing. No, but you know how Joan is the ice queen? So so I I think there's two things going on here. Number one, it is kind of a punishment. But it's also Mm -hmm. a test to see if she can assume the mantle of Joan. Okay. Can she quit being trying to be liked by these people can she be can she go about and do her shit around the office and not give a shit about what the uh you know the 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 office girls are thinking and talking about in their back because you know we want to know someone that people talk behind their back about that is joan yeah yeah so her response at the end of this is a really good thing i don't care if these people hate me i just want you to like me Yes, and she's like, you know, we'll see. Is like there, there's the test. That's that's yeah. what's going down. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so you think season seven, we're going to see Don taking over uh, Joan's responsibilities, that or non-partner be, responsibilities? I, I could get down with that, and that maybe would be Joan kind of getting a little more partner respect. That would be consistent with the show's, uh, you know, kind of mission statement of of the, how circular things are and. Yep. Uh, you know, like Roger helped Don get to the top. Don helped Peggy get to the top. Maybe Joan's going to help Don. Pete's going to help Bob Benson get in there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple uh, of things you need to know about raping, son. <laughs> <laughs> Always go for the barely the ones that can't speak much English or the ones whose brains are about to be erased. That's another key demographic to go after. <laughs> if your husband's you know rough them up and destroy up their self-esteem, that's all the better. Good place to pick up girls is driver's ed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, get, uh, get them as teenagers when they haven't had too much life experience. They're easy <laughs> to impress. Oh, my God. All right, we got to move on. That's creeping me out. <laughs> uh, so the Project K guys, uh, Stan, Pete, and Don are kind of sulking at a bar. When Peggy's troop comes in to the same bar, and they kind of give him the stink eye, but then apparently... Turns out that they didn't get the contract either. It went to uh, the biggest firm in the world. I forget the name of this place. Uh, but then Ken comes in and <laughs> he kind of uh, gives everybody some shit. Says that they've lost beans as well. Uh, and on the way out, Stan gives Peggy the finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
glorious move. Glorious maneuver. Think, I mean, yeah. So do you think that how how mad is Stan really at at uh, Peggy? Because oh, I Stan's I took, mad. You think so? Why? Yeah, Why is cause, he mad? Because he knows that she went after it because he told her. Why? About it. How would she know that? Because he's there like, was two other ad campaigns and Peggy had nothing to do with the other one. So how does he not know this is a fucking cattle call? I feel like uh, Peggy's off hmm. the hook. Interesting. The yeah, stand, I didn't think about the, the, the other firm. I felt like this played more like a friendly, like, yeah, you're working for the competition. Fuck you. Like, you know, it's it's kind of really? like, yeah, I really did. I really did. Because Peggy didn't seem that put off by it. She has kind of like she a did. I thought smile she was, on her face. I thought she was trying to well, be. Did, I thought that so, smile was her trying not to be angry Why would boss. Why would Stan think that she spilled the beans <laughs> so and the vinegar and sauces if, <laughs> if there were these other firms that obviously she wouldn't have spilled the beans to? Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I hadn't considered that. All right. Uh, you, you could definitely be right that I totally misinterpreted that scene. Oh, yeah, we'll probably find out next episode for well, sure. Well, this was a confusing scene because a lot of people thought, you know, and, and I did too the first time I watched it, is, is you know, they suffered under the the um, the misconception that Teddy and crew and, and Peggy had won the, the contract, which yeah. kind of was weird. Their whole demeanor, if that was the case, is like, we know Teddy and what a uh-huh. fucking showboat he is. Why isn't he showboating <laughs> and doing uh, those those Teddy things, right? I was still under that misconception after two viewings. Like, I didn't pick up on the fact that they came in and just said, no, we didn't get it. Mm, well, honestly, I, I read Seppenwall's review in between the first and second time, so I, I didn't make it through two viewings like that. Okay. The third time, I got it. I was like, oh, 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 okay. I would have looked <laughs> right. like a huge dumbass on the podcast. <laughs> right. Thank God I watched this so many times. Uh, it's J. Walter uh, Thompson. That's the firm. J. Walter Thompson? Yeah. Okay, we probably haven't heard the last of them, right? Mm, well, I mean, the first time we got introduced to CGC, they seemed to kind of be just some competition, and now they've become kind of intimate with us, so yeah. Yeah, they got one of SCDP's rock stars, too. Mm-hmm. That zinger to Kin left Don with, uh, like, no, there's nothing better than being known for your loyalty. I thought that was maybe a little bit of explanation for the behavior that Don manifested the rest of the episode. Really? Okay. Did that actually way? cut him? You know, that, that, that mm-hmm. you know, um, that kind of sent him on a spiral and, like, explains why he was so fucking judgmental of, of uh, his, uh, of Megan, because he had a lot of self-loathing and regret, and he had to, de- he has to vent. He's like one of those guys, I think I said last year, it's like he likes to throw up on someone, and then after he's done it, it's like, ooh, I feel much better, thank you. You know, yeah. he had to emotionally vomit on Megan to get those feelings out of him. Could be right about that. Uh, I I definitely think you're right that it affected him, for sure. Uh, There's another little thing that I wanted to bring up here um, that some fans of 30 Rock might be interested in knowing. Uh, Ted actually orders an Old Spanish here, which is not a real drink. It's actually a fictional drink that uh, Matthew Broderick talked about on 30 Rock with Alec Baldwin (laughs) uh, when he was on it. It's apparently made of red wine, tonic water, and olives. Uh, so anybody who's looking to make up an old Spanish, there's your ingredient list. There you go. Yeah. So fans of 30 Rock probably caught that. Uh, I haven't seen that episode. It's in season seven. I haven't seen that far in. But, uh, yep, there it is. 
Uh, Megan films her love scene while Don watches in uh, in silence. In uh, I don't know. I so you think he's seething here from what Ken said, um, and he's angry about the whole situation. I think he came there just for that experience, so he can get worked up and get that get that feeling out of huh. you know rinse it out of his mouth, so to speak. So he wasn't even going there before the meeting went badly, and Ken busted his chops. No, uh, I don't think so. All right, I don't think he was planning on doing that when he began his day. I could be wrong, but that's that's my take on it. Okay, um, I I actually yeah I like that a lot because I wasn't sure why in this next scene in the dressing room when he just totally blows up on Megan, why he was so concerned about this because like you said earlier in the episode he didn't seem that concerned and the scene like if you were there and you were kind of like don like oh, I, I think that don's original reaction is kind of like a true don reaction mm-hmm. and if you were that guy and kind of this kind of like on the fence and like oh i still don't know how i feel about it and you went and saw that it it was pretty chaste yeah. Um, and then Megan was there. Everybody's kind of laughing about it, and it was very professional. For like, sure. there was no heat after, before or after the camera started rolling. And, and also, yeah. it's really meta the fact that they had this really lousy soap opera with Mad Men as kind of very highbrow soap opera. Uh-huh. And you had Megan acting like a bad actress. Yes. Yeah, and it's part. like it it it, it it's kind of like holding up two mirrors to each other, you know. You just had this yeah. infinite recursion of of meta weirdness. I thought so anyway. It, oh, totally. No, I'm with you. Um, yeah. So in this scene, he basically calls her a whore, which is interesting considering where he goes right after this and the whole penny thing and what I mean, what their relationship is. Um. He's so fucking cruel in this scene. It was hard to watch. Because, yeah. again, you know, I've, I've talked to before in this season how much Megan loves him. And yeah. to hear that coming out of that of his mouth, oh. And, and it was also hard for me to watch because it felt a little out of character for Don. Don usually, I mean, he's a guy who he walks into the room and something horrible is happening. He can keep his cool, as we saw in the scene before. Mm-hmm. When he was actually watching it, nobody would have guessed that he was really seething and angry and was going to blow up on her. Right. So then when he does, like, I'm just, I'm thinking, isn't Don a little more pragmatic than this? Like, is he, does he really think that this is any kind of solution to the problem? But you're right. He probably doesn't. He probably just needs to get it out. Yeah. So on all three of my viewings, I was thinking, man, this really doesn't just, this doesn't line up, but that makes a lot of sense. Well, and also it's it's her acting outside of his ideal of her, you know, being the perfect wife. Like we saw that at the Hojo. It's like, oh, you're not going to enjoy my sherbet. Well, you're a fucking whore. I'm going to leave you here. You know. Yeah. And yeah. then like totally justified. Off. Oh, and then and then <laughs> yeah, right. You turn down sherbet. What the fuck? You expect? Come on. Uh, and then Neapolitan maybe. Yeah, just this is a, a pattern. And Megan said they can't keep doing this. We'll see how long they can keep doing this. Okay. And then what is the final scene of the episode? Don goes over to see Sylvia. He hands her the penny from beneath the doormat. And uh, when they get over to the bedroom, he asks her what she does when he leaves. She says she prays for him to find peace. This is such a load of shit. (laughs) He hides her necklace and they get down to business. 
Um, yeah. So a couple things. Do you? What did you make of him being uncomfortable with the crucifix there? Uh, that's a good question because, like she said, it doesn't really mean much to him. Some people on the Facebook thread were making um, some pretty smart, I thought, uh, connections to um, Dan, Don being like an emotional vampire and going back to like the Dark Shadows episode from last season. And mm-hmm. coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, there was two other actors in this that I found out from Seppenwall that were in this uh, episode that were casts or um, that were cast in the Dark Shadows remake. Uh, the television sh- series in 2005. Mm-hmm. Was, do you think there's any sly uh, kind of vampire Don recoiling from the, the power of the cross illusions there? Uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, is Don the kind of guy who sees that thing and kind of gets a guilty twinge? I don't know. He's never seemed religious ever, yeah. honestly. And maybe it's just more of the discomfort of her, the idea of her praying for him. Um, but you know, again, I, I don't know. I, this, this is kind of weird for me. Um, obviously the penny is another transaction that they engage in for sex. It's the second time in a row that they've done this. Also, you, you made the connection of him picking up the penny from the whorehouse and him picking up the penny here. Um, you know, I also was was thinking about the connection because we were talking about her perhaps being the Beatrice character from Inferno. Um, that's Dante's wife. That kind of uh, is his, his spiritual salvation that leads him out of uh, th- through his journey. And um, it, I just l- looked at the Wikipedia article before we jumped on the cast, and uh, Dante refers to Beatrice as a salvation. And she appears as his guide through heaven and caused his trip through the afterlife so he might see what awaits him. And she's described as maternal, radiant, and comforting. That seems like, you know, I feel like she's an unrealistic character because she literally is this Beatrice. Uh, who is Megan kind of you're a, talking about? Huh? Megan? Sylvia. 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 Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so you think that she's going to somehow redeem Don in the end? I mean, is this his path that he's following? Um, well, either that or it's going to be a total inversion, and she's like, you know, turns into be the succubus that destroys, you know, <laughs> with the happiness that he's worked up. But, you know, I don't know. Don's like a lot of people point out the fact that uh, he's being horrible to his wife. He hasn't talked to his children yet this season or mm-hmm. even seen to interact with them. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I've got, uh, that's a bit, that's, that's the end of the episode. I've actually got a really interesting thing to talk about from one of our listeners on Facebook. Okay. I kind of wanted um, to, the, the proposition you with. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, honestly, this is built into the episode, but I feel like we would be, uh, not doing it justice if we didn't at least mention it. The, the juxtaposition here of him calling, Megan a whore and then going to visit his whore. The hypocrisy involved in that. Oh, I'm glad you mind blowing. And, and 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 the way they shot this scene emphasized that because Don taking her and laying her on the bed and beginning kissing her was exact it wasn't even a mirror image. It was the exact image of uh Megan's pretend scene that he called her a whore for. Yeah. So like Wiener made sure that you didn't miss the contrast there. (laughs) For sure. Okay, so let's get the Facebook 
feedback. Okay. Um, Melissa D said, I want to hear you guys discuss the possibility that Don Draper will again be living as Dick Whitman. And I got to say, this is the highest rated comment I've ever gotten in the Facebook thread. So lots of people are interested in this take. Um, that Don Draper will again be living as Dick Whitman or perhaps another appropriated identity by the end of the series. I've heard that Don's eventual suicide theory discussed at great length these past few weeks, but suicide seems inconsistent with his character. Recall him telling Peggy, who listened, and Lane, who didn't, how easy it was to move on and pretend it never happened. I think this mindset is the crux of his character, and that all the death symbolism hinting towards his demise actually points towards the death of Don Draper, the crafted persona, not Don Draper, the physical human being. Remember, in Dante's Inferno, each sinner was forced for all eternity to bear a hell befitting their specific crime. Uh, for example, those in the circle of greed dragging around cumbersome sacks of money. Actual death would be the easy way out for Don Draper. Wouldn't it be more fitting if this man, who had created his entire life around deception and the belief that at any time he can begin anew, was forced tragically to deceive and begin anew yet again? This is just a theory, but thoughts. I thought that blew my mind. And it's now my yeah. favorite theory <laughs> okay. for what where this is going. All right. No, I like it. So uh, what name do you think he's going to take? Pete Campbell. That's my guess. Mm. <laughs> he kills Pete and takes his name? <laughs> there you go. Is no, it, totally it's, it's, it's impossible for him to resurrect Dick Whitman at this point because Dick Whitman is dead. Officially, yeah. He's dead. Uh, I don't know, man. What if, what if it's the private that he met in Hawaii? Oh, that Don, uh, so Don's going to find out that he's Dinkins. died, and he had no, you know, like, and, and I don't know, maybe his, somehow Don ends up with his personal effects by mistake because the government's stupid. <laughs> personal and, effects such as his new wife that no, no, he was no, on no. the like beach marrying? Social, like his social security number, his dog tags, Yeah, but stuff what about like his that. wife? His, his wife isn't going to... Well, that didn't fucking stop Dick Whitman before, now did it? <laughs> Don point. Draper had a wife, too. He fucking co-opted her into his best friend and confident. Confidant. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Good old, what was her name? Jane? Uh, ah, I can't remember. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're asking me to remember this now? Um, uh, I don't know. Betty says it. it and yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll they they talk about it in the last season. Keep talking. Keep talking while people All are giving right. us one-star reviews on, on iTunes. Because <laughs> we don't remember a name from last season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, to be fair, it is a major character. I'm I'm slightly uh, embarrassed for ourselves. Uh, Anna. Fucking Anna. Anna. Okay. Thank <sighs> God we got that. Boom. Saved. All right. Uh, so that's it for the episode. We... We need to do uh, some pimping, and then we got feedback to do. Pimping ain't easy, especially... Oh, yeah, I did remember to paste this in. (laughs) Um, We are part of the Bald Move Network. You can find all our content at baldmove.com. We do The Walking Dead. We do The Game of Thrones. We do Mad Men. We do Breaking Bad. We do Downton Abbey. Uh, We've also got a few non-television podcasts. Uh, If you're kind of geeky and you like beer, you like board games, check out Personal Arrogance out of Seattle. This week they talk about Superman and the new Justice League living rpgs and break down their excitement for pax prime that's happening in their beloved seattle we also have the because show uh three women out of la that do a fascinating series this week they talk a little bit about mad men mad men centering on vincent kartheiser uh which uh jerilyn outs herself as a pete lover what do you yeah, make of that jim uh, what disgusting. is wrong jerilyn disgusting jerilyn have you seen season four or five 
Is that against like, our affiliate agreement? I feel like there's something in the bylaws that, that we can maybe stri- strike him off a show. <laughs> yeah, next week there's no because show because <laughs> she's a Pete lover. Yeah, that's because why. No, to be um, fair, I think she likes to uh, watch Vincent Carthizer. Hmm. Well, he is a good-looking guy when he's not in Pete form. Uh, they're also having a uh, they got a, they're also having a meetup at the Golden Road Brewery in California in June. If you want to get in on that, uh, we always appreciate your reviews and ratings on iTunes. It's the single biggest thing that drives traffic to our cast and helps grow our community. Um, so if you haven't taken a few seconds out of your life and you've got iTunes to do that, please do. Uh, you can also monetarily support us by using our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com. The way that works is anything you buy after using that link, we get a tiny bit of Amazon's profit. It doesn't cost you a thing, but it helps keep our lights on and our bandwidth bills paid, and we appreciate it. And last but not least, if you've got a friend that's into Mad Men or any quality television uh, or podcasting in general, tell them. Turn them on to baldmove.com. Cool. Uh, you said that was the last, but we also have the iTunes affiliate link. If you're buying TV shows or movies on iTunes, you can do that on our website. Yeah, right on the front page. Yep. Okay, that's it. Let's get into feedback. Uh, we're running a little long tonight, and we don't we have that are. much feedback. I don't know how so. that happened. <laughs> uh, we talked forever, man. It was a good episode. Mm. Uh, David Houston says, the reference to the Steelers and Giants in the Heinz meeting, I almost said Heinz again, and the Heinz meeting had nothing to do with the Super Bowl. The Steelers wouldn't make it until the mid-70s and the Giants in the mid-80s. Actually, up until the 70s, the Steelers were a perennial doormat in the NFL. I think this fact gives more impact to the comment that if SCDP had gotten Timmy tickets to the Giants slash Steelers game, the Steelers would have won. Okay. I am not a football fan, so (laughs) I don't know anything about that. (laughs) So thanks for clearing that up. Uh, Claire S. writes in. uh, She's got more stuff on this pigs thing. I just mentioned pigs as a one-off, and oh, all of a sudden it turns into something. Uh, (laughs) She says, in the Bible, pigs are associated with demons. Uh, I'm not entirely convinced that this is what Wiener is going for, but considering the place the season is going, I found it worth mentioning. Yeah, uh, cloven hooves and they don't chew the cud? You're going to put that in your mouth? Disgusting. <laughs> uh, she gives the example of Matthew uh, chapters, chapter 8, verses 28 through 32, so check that out if you're interested. I do not have a Bible in front of me, sorry. Uh, K. Huff says, hey guys, love the show. When you guys were talking about Don's business ethics in reference to his comment, dance with the one that brung you, I think there's some contradiction there. Although he is, he is, although he is mostly uh, straight-laced in his ethical mindset, I think it's important to remember that he pressured Faye into getting him a meeting with Heinz in the first place in season four. Sure, Don did it in a moment of desperation when it seemed like the firm was going under, but I think he's just currently content with where everything is business-wise and doesn't want to screw up a Heinz account after all the work SCDB put in last season to come up with a strategy they liked. Good point, because your ethics are not judged by when it's convenient. And you're right. Yeah. That was... I remember that scene that that felt like a betrayal of his own character. Mm -hmm. But it's still not an excuse. Like, oh, you're honest unless you're desperate, so I guess that's okay. Yeah, (laughs) that just means you don't have ethics. No. (laughs) When everything's going your way, it's fine. Uh, Ginger in Houston says, it is possible that Sylvia will spill the beans, quote-unquote, about her affair with Don, not to be vindictive, but because she becomes overcome with guilt uh, and decides to confess all to her husband. She is Catholic, after all. <laughs> uh, Catholics love their guilt, don't they? I don't know anything about it. I'm not a Catholic. That would uh, be interesting. 
Yeah, yeah, and I could definitely see that happening. I mean, they're they're hinting uh, strongly at her not being totally content when they're not in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So, who knows? Uh, Michael, uh, his I guess this is his Twitter handle, MTW6, says, Great pot as always, guys. Just wanted to give you a couple thoughts as I try to figure out the enigma that is Bob Benson. He says, My initial take on Bob was that he is to Pete Campbell this season what Ginsburg was to Don last season. He has the same brown-nosing, ass-kissing, false flattery, no shame, skill set, and the grimy little pimp possess- the, uh, that the grimy little pimp possesses and uses to keep things smooth with clients. So, is Benson here to emerge as a younger rival uh, coming for his spot? Maybe, but after listening to you guys talk about Wiener's character, about how Wiener's characters are cyclical, Don following Roger's path, grimy little pimp following Don's path, etc., it clicked to me that Benson is doing exactly what a young Draper did. When Don was selling furs and met Sterling, he did plenty of ass-kissing a la Benson. Yeah, he did. <laughs> ass-kissing a la Benson. Sounds like a... <laughs> a dessert. I like that. <laughs> no. Ah, uh, I don't want to try that one. Uh, Don, Don slipped his work in with the fur Roger bought. Uh, Benson brings extra coffee. Don will take you out to a liquid lunch. Benson will go out and buy you toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> And both arranged for those chance encounters in the elevator. Bottom line, he did everything he could to get his foot in the door, which is exactly what Benson is doing. Uh, good call. Very good yeah, call. Yeah, do we, do we, would it be hokey if it turns out that Bob Benson is leading some kind of weird double life? Bob Benson has to be leading a double life. He has like, to. Like, it, maybe it, it's not like something stream like Dom, but maybe he didn't go to college and he faked his college transcripts and they drum him <laughs> out of the office and <laughs> Don looks on thinking, oh, there but the grace of God go I. There you go. Uh, I hope that's not it, but we'll see. <laughs> Christopher Fay says, uh, would reiterate the comment made about JFK picture, that one in particular being a very common one in many Irish Catholic households, both in the U.S. as well as Ireland. JFK was not just the first Catholic president, but the first immigrant or ethnic president in a field dominated by wasps, like Pete and Roger. What does WASP stand for? I don't know. Seriously? Yeah, I have no idea. Wow, man. Uh, white, Anglos- <laughs> white Anglo-Saxon Protestant ah, is what wasp stands for. Gotcha. Yeah, see. I just, uh, I'm not schooled in the ways of religion, apparently. Uh, That's what happens when your family raised you in a bomb shelter uh, from the Cuban (laughs) Missile Crisis on. You just miss out on these cultural references. Yep. Uh, He goes on, Peggy represents not only the historical arc of women, but also of greater acceptance of all European immigrants by 1960. I believe this is also the role Ginsburg plays. I would totally agree with that. Uh, Sarah FB. Uh, Sarah FB says, hello, I haven't listened to the last episode and just saw yesterday's new episode. Uh, for my theory of the Don Suicide... Well, this is written weird. Okay. Uh, theory of Don Suicide strikes me, and I'm not sh- quite sure why. I'm wondering what you guys thought about Roger being the madman that falls to the street. Uh, I think it's a theme in Roger's character since the beginning of the show, first with his failure to earn the respect of his daughter, then when he marries and divorces Jane, then his mother's passing. Let's not forget about the LSD trips that uh, he has that he was desperately trying to hang on to, even though Don has some issues, he always seemed to be much more level-headed than Roger. To be honest, I'm kind of hoping the show finale is of Sally working at an ad firm in the 80s, showing a little bit of Don attitude, uh, that showing that maybe nothing or everything has changed. 
Hmm. Yeah, how about Sally growing up, becoming an ad woman? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't count on happy endings in the show. <laughs> That's my prediction yeah. is whatever is going to happen is going to be tragic. For sure. Uh, Garrison writes in. He says, hello, boys. I think I found the clue. <laughs> I think I found the clue as to when this episode takes place. Uh, here's about the timeline. Okay. The scene okay. that gives it away is one in which Don is lying in bed and Megan comes in to say goodbye before heading off to pretend to cheat on him at her job. Uh, Don is either watching television or listening to the radio. I can't tell which. And there is a news report about the New York City Council overriding a veto by the mayor on a deceptive advertising practices law. You have to turn up the volume on your TV real loud and listen very carefully as Don and Megan chat, but it's there. Hmm. A little Google search turned up the following. A law on deceptive advertising practices was passed by the New York City Council on March 26, 1968, overriding a veto by the mayor. New York City Mayor John Lindsay had vetoed the law in early March after the original vote by the city council. It's most likely the morning of March 27, 1968, that Don is in bed listening to this news report. That puts us a week away from the Martin Luther King assassination. Mm. So things are about to heat up there for sure. We didn't talk about that. Yeah, and that, that's consistent with the Columbia student uh, protest as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, uh, Joseph V says, would you two agree with me that Stan Rizzo goes on to be the mastermind behind the Bush's Baked Beans ad with the talking dog? <laughs> uh, I don't know what this ad is. Have you seen a Bush's commercial with a talking dog? No, I haven't. Bush's haven't? Beans? Okay. Yeah. No, no, I haven't. Sorry. Hmm. Uh, he says, I see Bush's going to SCDP after their stint with Heinz Baked Beans and Stan smoking a large amount of weed and thinking there's nothing funnier than a talking dog. <laughs> That knows the secret family <laughs> recipe to beans. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm instantly in. <laughs> yeah, that's a weed commercial right there. Hell yeah. <laughs> Rachel says, I think Don is taking out his frustration and anger about Heinz in the second to last scene with Megan. Oh, she's onto the same thread you were. Uh, I think he knows that he's losing it and losing control. Just a theory. I don't see a gluttony theme this week, but lust may be there. Yeah, we had talked about that last week. Uh, we were looking for the kind of the third level, the third circle themes. Yeah, and we still, it's, I'm not ready to call, I'm not ready to call it's time of death yet. We still have oh, a no. long season and, and, uh. Yeah, like I, I said, there some have people to be saying, episodes. Some people were saying that the gluttony references were there with the sumptuous shots of food and the Stan getting hungry over his work and, um, you know, hmm. obviously perhaps greed, uh, Maybe there's a nod to greed about the SCDP boys being greedy and not content with what they had with Heinz beans, but they wanted the ketchup. And yeah, yeah, I could see that, but I I don't know that that's strong enough. You know, there have been no, no, yeah, uh, a lot stronger indicators. And it's also there's episodes. nothing. If they are doing the inferno, it doesn't mean they have to do it in order. You know, sure. There's that too. Uh, Dan in New York says, last week I complained about the continuing focus on Don's infidelity. Uh, at last, that focus is paying off. In my view, this was the first excellent episode of the season. I agree, man. I agree. The plot lines branched out, telling multiple stories involving multiple characters, unified by the theme of loyalty and betrayal. Don's disloyalty to Megan, SCDP's disloyalty to Beans and Vinegar, Peggy's, Peggy's disloyalty to Stan, the Secretary's disloyalty to Joan. As Cosgrove goes, as Cosgrove says at the Lonely Hearts Club of Admen at the bar, there is nothing better than being known for your loyalty. Hmm. But they'll remain lonely hearts. Don will not find peace unless he unless each takes responsibility for his actions 
suffers the consequences and resolves to change. As in Dante, there is no way to paradise for the sinner without sincere repentance and a time in purgatory. Uh, and then he says, the example to follow is Dawn. Uh, sorry, Dawn. <laughs> Dawn. She, ma- she made up for her sight, her slight lapse of loyalty to the company by taking responsibility for her actions, offering to have her pay docked, declaring loyalty to Joan, and assuring it would never happen again. Joan sends her to the purgatory of responsibility for supervising the time <laughs> clock. Uh, uh, this is the sentence in the tradition of the Inferno. Dante was famous uh, Dante was famous for allotting punishments determined by the nature of the sin committed. Uh, he says, for example, fortune tellers were forced to walk around with their heads on backwards <laughs> so they couldn't see what was coming. <laughs> All right. Uh, if only others would follow Don's lead and take responsibility. Instead, we see D-O-N reflecting his own guilt toward Megan by spewing anger for her uh, play-acting the sins that he actually has committed. Likewise, Dow Chemical seeks to cover its sins and regain the loyalty of the public with a televised Joe name of the Broadway extravaganza. In reality, they should do what Ken Cosgrove says, stop dropping napalm on children. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. I'm I'm, I'm digging this email. Uh, This is Mad Men at its best, echoing and amplifying the themes and the lives of its characters with issues and events in the broader world. One more time to the Inferno. The deepest level of hell was reserved for the disloyalty. Dante placed Brutus, Caesar's friend and assassin, right next to Satan, the ultimate betrayer. So as long as Don continues in his disloyalty to Megan and his disloyalty to his own avowed principles, I'm against the war, he won't leave the hell that he's put himself in. Mm-hmm. Wow. Strong stuff. I like it. Uh, very good. Solid analysis. Uh, two more. Tyler W. says, another solid episode. I'm sure Aaron has done some uh, Reddit trolling and found some analysis but, about this episode, but I wanted to mention the Oops. overwhelming presence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, normally, you would be right. Uh, he's he's in the middle of a move. Give him a break. <laughs> and I did watch Game of Thrones like four times because it was too fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, you bastard. You're cheating on me with another cast. Sorry. Send you to purgatory. <laughs> uh, uh, he says, uh, you probably found some analysis about this episode, but he wanted to mention the overwhelming presence of Envy. Uh, it seems like almost every character in this episode exhibit, exhibits this deadly sin. That doesn't mean all the other favorites are absent. Greed and lust are ever-present mainstays on this show. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this episode, which I already will have by the time you read this in the feedback section. Whoa, that's very <laughs> I hope you. I know. I hope you enjoyed that, <laughs> Tyler. You have our thoughts. Uh, finally, Rebecca W. writes in, says, uh, oh, this is from last week she says uh did pete's wife trudy use a piece of steak on the mistress's face no one mentioned it no one mentioned that and is this normal practice for dressing an open wound wouldn't there have been a ton of bacteria uh no but for it's it's um a well-known technique to reduce swelling especially like on uh a black eye or something like that oh for sure but uh, i mean does she have a point is there there's probably a lot of bacteria in raw meat right is i guess isn't, I, but, I mean, I'm, I'm just still cut. saying that putting putting steaks on on uh, like a punched eye is, is uh, that's that's an accepted tactic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, when she comes back with a gangrenous face <laughs> next episode, <laughs> and yeah, Pete has like, to deal with her, she comes back looking like Dark Man, then we'll know that's <laughs> not a good not a good way to go. 
Oh God! All right, that's it for the episode. Uh, I've got, I got to, I, I got to read a take by Jason Schenkel of the Nattercast. Uh, Google Nattercast, N A T T E R C A S T. If you want to check out him and his wife's uh, network, they got going. He had the top five rejected Peggy Olson ketchup ads. Number one, ketchup, the penis made of tomatoes. <laughs> what? <laughs> Two, ketchup, you put it on your food. Three, ketchup, at least doesn't kill Vietnamese children like some products we could mention. Four, ketchup, because fuck cats up, that's why. And five, ketchup, I can't believe I bore Pete Campbell's bastard child. (laughs) That's Peggy Olsen's top five rejected ketchup ads. All right, Teddy, not feeling those, huh? No, no. It's still all of those better than ketchup on steak. Yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, right, also, uh, one uh, other thing. One, one other thing I wanted to mention because oh, fucking I heard it everywhere. Have you heard about Ted McGinley? No, he's the guy that plays Mel, um, the the slimy uh, scriptwriter that wanted to get in bed with Megan and Don. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So I guess there's some kind of meme about him that he's been cast on many shows as they jumped a the shark. I think he took over. As the husband of the crazy wife that lived next door to Peg and Al Bundy, and a couple other things, I had no idea. But Phil Z, I oh, asked, "No way, that's him." Yes, it is. I knew he looked familiar. Yeah, it is. But he says that he's he's been cast on numerous shows that have jumped a shark and will soon be canceled. And he's he's been on Happy Days, Married with Children, Love Boat. It said it's not entirely <laughs> true, but it's a fun meme among television fans for quite a while now. So if you've been heard of people making jokes about Ted McGinley and, oh, my God, Mad Men's been going to be canceled and you were as puzzled as I was, there is your moment of zen. Okay. Awesome. Do we have any outro stuff to do? If you'd like to give us uh, more feedback, you can do so at madmen at baldmove.com. You can follow along on our live Facebook threads at facebook.com slash baldmove. And you can follow Jim and his live tweets at twitter.com at, at baldmove. All right. That's it. Uh, this has been a long one, so thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. Good night, everybody. <laughs>